It's delicious. It's very, very good. You need to give the recipe out. Yeah, I, I will give the no, recipe no, no, out. No, 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 no. You need to sell the recipe. <laughs> That's great. I'll sell it, it to good. Heaven Hill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they may be interested. <laughs> Welcome to another trip down the Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. We would like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the Bourbon Road. Find out more about their fine rustic furniture at logheadshomecenter.com. Hello, I'm Jim Shannon. This is the Bourbon Road, and today we are in Bardstown, Kentucky, and we are at the Oscar Getz Museum of Whiskey History. And uh, Mike's not with us today. Mike is on a road trip in the South. He's visiting craft distilleries. But today I'm flying solo, and uh, I've got with me two folks. First of all, I've got Linda McCloskey, is that correct? Yes, it is. From uh, the Oscar Getz Museum here. She's the executive director. And I also have uh, Bill Wren with me. And Bill is the uh, lead bourbon host at Heaven Hill. Now, Heaven Hill was nice enough to uh, to send somebody over to the podcast to sit down with us and to uh, show their support of the museum. I think that's a great thing. Glad to be here. They are great community supporters of us. Yes. Well, welcome to the show, both of you. So, what we like to do on the show is get straight to the first tasting, and today we've got something special. So I've brought something for you, and so what I've brought, it, since it's so close to Christmas, and we're sitting in a museum, it's all decorated up with its trees and stockings and all the lights and everything, I thought, what's better than a couple of Christmassy kind of drinks? So today I've brought two things. First of all, I brought uh, some eggnog. Tis the season, right? Absolutely. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so uh, before we get to the second drink, let's go ahead and try that eggnog. And uh, this is the um, Evan Williams Original Southern Eggnog. Uh, and this is available all across the United States. So it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. So that's a big production for you guys. Huge. 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 It's a 30 proof drink. So it's a little bit lower, as you would expect with a with this type of drink. Uh, and it's made with uh, uh, Evan Williams bourbon. And, uh, well, let's get right to it. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, all right. Very delicious. Absolutely. I like it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's Abs- a killer. Yeah. I, don't, I don't drink eggnog very often, but boy, I tell you what, when I do, I really enjoy it. It's kind of one of those things you break out once a year, right? And you can only get this uh, during Christmas season. It is a seasonal drink. So if you try to get it in June, it's not available. So you need to stock up if because you Because in like June it. is when we're making it. Yes. Yeah. And it's one of the top sellers. It's just, it's so good. Oh, my goodness. It, it is. is delicious. So, Bill, what kind of production quantity are you talking here? Can you even tell me? Is it like? I can't tell you any numbers, but I can tell you all of our bottling lines, except uh, the uh, smaller bottles are running nothing but eggnog in, in June. And when you see it stack the ceiling yeah, for a couple of acres, it's pretty overwhelming how much of it's actually Wow. Sold. Wow. Are you cracking eggs there? <laughs> no, 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 no. It is delicious. I love it. And I'm 
I love to put it in hot chocolate. I love to put it in coffee. You can sip it just by itself. So it's a really light, sweeter, creamier taste that a lot of females like. So I love it. And the different people that I've served it to in my home and here at the museum, people just rave and love it. Yeah. And Heaven Hill has been nice enough that when it's on our home tour, we have little tiny candy canes that we put with it. And people oh, just rave. It up a notch. Yes. People just rave about well, it. It's I delicious. Think the problem, I think the problem is, is when somebody gives you one of those little tasting glasses, you know, they're about a half an ounce right. in size. When somebody gives you one of those with some eggnog in it, it's gone pretty quick. <laughs> and you've got that taste of eggnog just sitting in your mouth. It, it, it just, where's my next one? You want another one, right? <laughs> exactly. <All> right. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. I would like to start asking a few questions about the museum here, if we can get onto that. Um, you know, for our listeners who might not be familiar with uh, the Getz Museum, can you kind of tell us kind of what your mission is here? Our mission here at the Getz Museum is to give you a completely different experience than what you get at the different distilleries. We try to educate and to promote the history of bourbon, as well as to highlight the different people in bourbon's history that have been very significant in promoting it. And there's a lot of funny stories that we can talk about with Carrie Nation and uh, Charles Remus. You know, there are so many different people that are out there that people absolutely love love to hear the stories and to see the old bottles. We love to educate people as to how many old bottles that we have that are pre-prohibition and prohibition. And everything that we have here in the museum is real. We do not have any tea or colored water. All of our bourbon is the real deal. It's the real thing. So the mission in a nutshell is education. Absolutely. I have a lot of classrooms that even come in, different schools. I invite them in and uh, try to educate them because bourbon is what runs Bargetown. And so uh, even the elementary kids are interested in the history of it. You know, I never would have thought of that. And, you know, to some people, it might seem like, wait a minute, you're taking you're taking uh, elementary kids to. But but it is your history. It's history. Yes. And it's not only a history for the recent past, it's been here a very long time. Most people do not understand that the United States of America probably would not exist without whiskey. Yeah. From the very beginning, it's been our tax base. One of the largest producers of rye whiskey in the United States was our first president, George. And uh, that's been left out of the history books a lot. But when George was elected president of the United States, Congress gave him the choice of being paid a salary, or being paid for the whiskey the soldiers drank at Valley For at uh, yeah at Valley Forge, and he said, "Pay me for the whiskey," <laughs> but they gave him a salary. Yeah. Uh, but what uh, I don't know, I really understand why they left it out of the history books because George was actually just trying to keep the troops alive. They wouldn't give him money for food, so he was bringing in his own rye whiskey for him. And if you go to Mount Vernon right now, they've got his distillery up and running. I mean, it's a little. Family type thing. Right, but, right. Uh, we also here at the Oscar Getz have what we believe to be one of George Washington's original steels that we have. We do not have the paperwork to back it up, but it was uh, located near his Mount Vernon home and it matched all of his other steels that he had. And so Miss Emma, whenever we started our museum here, she felt in her heart of hearts and that Mr. Oscar Getz thought in his heart of hearts that this was absolutely George Washington steel. We just don't have the paperwork. That brings up a good question. So um, Oscar Getz, museum's named after him. Yes, sir. Who who was Oscar Getz? Oscar Getz started his bourbon uh, 
distillery and industry in 1944. He came down here after the repeal of the 18th Amendment. Uh, Him and his brother-in-law, they started out from Chicago, and they came down and they had a big family meeting and decided that Louisville and Kentucky was going to be their location. And so he drove around and came up on Bargetown and loved it, bought the old Tom Moore distillery and named it, renamed it Barton's. And so we have the Oscar Getz Whiskey Museum because of him. Wow. That's a great story. So can you tell us a little bit about the building we're in? This building is iconic to Bargetown. It has had so many different functions and so many different hats that it has worn through the history. It was originally built in 1826 as a college and a seminary. It's a huge four-story building that was actually housed for the uh, classrooms as well as dormitories for uh, the priest and the different people that were here going to the college. So this is probably one of the larger buildings in Bargetown, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, it aside is. from the distilleries. Exactly. Aside from the distilleries, it is the largest building here. Oh, it is yes, the largest. I think so. Oh, yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then uh, after, uh, during the Civil War, the Sisters of Charity turned this building into a hospital. And for the first three years, it was a Confederate hospital. But the sisters knew that the union was winning. And so they moved 200 of the 250 patients out. 50 were so critical that they could not be moved. And so when the union came through, they put their sick and wounded in here. So for the last year of the Civil War, we had union and Confederate soldiers that were in here. And needless to say, they did not like each other very well. So there was a lot of conflict that was going on during that time. And I'm sure the sisters had a very difficult time trying to keep peace and harmony that they always wanted during the hospital stay. So uh, so they had a lot of, of confusion going on. After the Civil War was over, the sisters turned this building into an orphanage. We had a lot of orphans that were as a result of the Civil War. And it stayed an orphanage until 1911. In 1911, it turned into St. Joe Prep, which was a very distinguished high school for Catholic boys. It was even an international school. We had students that were here from Europe and from different countries that came over here. And it stayed a high school from 1911 until 1968. 1968, the school closed down and the building was vacant for several years. And then Mr. Oscar Getz, who owned Barton's Distillery, he passed away in 83. And his wife, Miss Emma was going to sell the distillery, but she did not want to sell his private collection. When he came down here to find his location for his bourbon industry, uh, it was after the repeal of the 18th Amendment, and there were many, many different distilleries that did not survive the prohibition. So when he would see vacant warehouses and vacant distilleries, he would just stop his car and would go in and would pick up bottles and, and different signs and all sorts of paraphernalia from the bourbon and whiskey industry. So he was a collector of bourbon artifacts, you know, long time ago. Yes, before it was a popular thing. Sure. So he saved our history for us. And so he had this huge museum in his that he had on display at Barton's Distillery. Okay. So when you went to the distillery back then, uh, I guess they were entertaining people or he just had it for his for his own pleasure. Everybody. 
everybody got to see it. That yeah. was part of the experience when you went to Barton's that you would go through and you would see his museum. And when he passed away, Miss Emma was sort of overwhelmed with the distillery business and she was going to sell it. Sure. But she did not want to sell his private collection. Because he loved it so much. He right? loved it so much. So what she did was she paid for having one of our halls renovated in order to house his museum. And that is the reason why it is now called the Oscar Getz Museum of Whiskey History, because it started out as just Mr. Oscar Getz's private collection that so he had. So when, when was that, that that time in which the, the collection came to this building? 1983. 19, so that was the start of the Oscar yes, Getz Museum. Absolutely, yes. And uh, so who's behind the Getz Museum now? I mean, what what's the organization behind the, the Getz Museum now? Well, we have a board that consists of 10 different people. They are different business leaders and historians that are here in Barchtown. Uh, I am the director, and we have three other people that work here as well. We have to abide by, this is an historic building, so we have to abide by the rules of the historic uh, um, organization that we have here, the HRB board, the Historic Review Board, has to okay everything that I do here on the outside of the building. I have freedom to be able to do different stuff on the inside, but the outside is uh, dictated by the HRB board and city council as well. They have to approve everything. So what's your day like here? I mean, you're 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 kind of in charge of the whole museum, right? I do. Uh, I uh, I do tours. We do guided tours every day. Uh, lots of different people come in. We try to have four main guided tours during our tourism season. We do one at ten thirty, and we do one at twelve, and then we do one at one thirty, and then another one at two thirty. But during the slower times of the year. Anyone that comes in, I will go ahead and give them a tour. And if they want a complete detailed tour, it takes about an hour to go through here and to learn all the history. And we have even added to our museum collection. In our chapel, we have a Bargetown Historical Museum that is just history of Bargetown. I'm going to go back to this eggnog for just a minute. All right. It's delicious. <laughs> and I found myself nosing it. It's just out of it's just out of habit. There's no nose to it. <laughs> no, no, no. There's tremendous flavor yes. right but uh yeah I, I thought when i poured this i might be pouring too much but i, I don't think i'm going to have any left it's good <laughs> mine's it's already good. gone mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it is really good so as you walk through the museum there's a long hallway that runs from the south end to the north end and there's rooms off of both sides so you've got a number of rooms here and they each one i don't know how many rooms you have but they, each one seems to have a theme does. Yes, sir. So what's the room we're in right now? What's this room? This is the room where I'm showcasing the area, different distilleries that are here in Bargetown and the surrounding areas I have uh, from Louisville, from Frankfurt, from Lawrenceburg to Lexington. I have the different distilleries. They all give me their bourbon that they would like for me to display, which I have on display. I have barrel heads from each of the distilleries. They have their decorative barrel heads and they're all very wonderful on giving me those. I am now in the process of collecting pictures, framed pictures from each of the distilleries. So when out-of-town guests and even our local tourists come in, I can bring them in this room and say, this is what you can get. You can have an experience right here in Kentucky. This is the bourbon that you can get. These are the barrel heads. These are the pictures. And so I actually try to promote and send people Right here, you don't need to go anywhere else. You can have an experience right here in Kentucky of all the bourbon that you need to and experience, especially Heaven Hill. This building right here is the heart of the bourbon area. It's the heart. You're sitting in the the, uh, bourbon capital of the world, and right in the middle of the bourbon capital of the world 
is the heart of bourbon. And it's not any specific brand. It's just to the industry itself. It's an education just sitting in this room. I've been sitting here looking at all these different labels and different ages. And it's just, it's amazing uh, how huge a contribution bourbon has made to the United States and especially this area around here. Yeah, I can but spend is, I can spend fifteen minutes in this room alone. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. like I say, but if you want the whole experience without even going to a distillery about the history of bourbon, this is where it happens right here. Uh, you know, I'm looking over here at this uh, this uh, model of uh, a rickhouse, and I'm saying that's the one in Deetsville. That's the design mm-hmm. in Deetsville. That's isn't exactly it? right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they're they're kind of unique. Those rickhouses in Deetsville were a bit unique, and that's where the old uh, T W Samuels. T W Samuels, right. Mm-hmm. We have six different styles of rickhouses, and and that's uh, that's over at Deetsville, and right now it's producing some of our best uh, bourbon. Yeah. Some of the um, Parker's Heritage comes out of there, oh, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. This year's Parker Heritage came out of our main site, though, okay. in a rickhouse that Parker helped build. Sure. Wow. So there was a lot of family history there also. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, so we've got some other rooms here. Now, I remember one down the hall that has a bar in it. So what is that kind of? Is that like the speakeasy kind of history? It is, and we also have two huge cases full of different uh, bottles and containers that people use to hide and disguise their alcohol and their whiskey during the prohibition because it wasn't uh, wasn't illegal to drink it, but it was illegal to make it and sell it. But a lot of people wanted to disguise the fact that they were drinking. They didn't want to be called out by their friends as somebody who's against the law, kind exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Uh, we have two cases, as I said. Uh, Mysteries at the Museum were here and actually did a taping on those different uh, containers that we had. They chose three. Uh, one of them was a pretzel, uh, and you fill it up. It's what you can actually drink out of. <laughs> Women liked that because they could put that in their purse. It was small, and if people saw it, they wouldn't realize that they had a flask that they could drink out of. Another one is a hammer, and I'm a farm girl, and I think that is the most authentic-looking one, and you fill it up from the bottom, and all of the farmers had it, and they all had those loops on their pants or on their coveralls and overalls, so they had their hammer with them all the time. And this is not historical correct that I can find, but I believe, and I tell people when my tourists, uh, tourists come through that that's probably where the term let's get hammered comes from. And then there's another, <laughs> yes, there's another book that doesn't look like a, it, it looks like a Bible, but it's not a Bible and it's hollow on the inside and you can put your flask down in that. And I tell my visitors that you can be very mellow for your sermon on Sunday morning. You can have your little drink. So there are several different containers that that are in there. We have two cabinets full. And the Mysteries at the Museum did an entire show on that. You were actually telling me about uh, the kind of the origin of the term bootleggers. Yes. Uh, we have a plaque in, the, in one of the rooms, uh, and it's a boot with a bottle sticking out of it. And where the term bootleggers came from, the stagecoach drivers knew just where to go in the hills of Kentucky and fill up their flask. And it was very rough terrain. And so instead of them taking the chance on dropping their bottle or them falling down and breaking their bottle, they just started sticking it in the top of their boots. And so bootleggers, they were called, and it just sort of stuck. So that's where our term bootleggers comes from. Yeah, and you also told me where the word booze came from. Yes. E.G. Booze was one of our early distillers that came down from Pennsylvania in 1840. And a young and old alike would just say, let's go drink some booze. And so they just sort of shortened it. And that became our byword for alcohol. Wow. So that's where our term booze comes from. So was that was that a, that was a word in use when he was making his product? I guess he felt very fortunate that it 
Well, they called it booze because it was E.G. booze. So yeah. they just said, let's go drink some booze. And so that's just everybody just started calling it. So now it's the term for all liquor. Let's go drink some booze. I wonder how many people actually know that. I, I didn't know that. No, yes, I didn't mean, yeah. know that. Yeah. That's really neat. So those are the kind of things you can find yes. out here. Fun, fun, fun things. That fun facts. And I try to tell people uh, different fun stories behind why we have bootleggers and why we have, you know, the term booze. And we talk about Carrie Nation. And I have a life-size model of her and all of the different containers that people like we talked about that they would use to hide their liquor during prohibition so there's just a lot of of fun facts here that people enjoy hearing yeah so um we're going to move on we're actually going to have a second half to our first pour is that okay okay with you guys wonderful so in addition to the eggnog tis the season right um i made some homemade um bourbon cream last night and i used a little bit of uh the Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond, the white label, which we can't get anymore, unfortunately. But the new version, the seven-year, is available, uh, but not in Kentucky. So we're just going to have to wait for it here. But um, So I have a few bottles of it left over, so I thought I would make some bourbon cream with that last night. And I made kind of a Christmas spice bourbon cream. So what you have in front of you here is a coffee flavored with some Heaven Hill bourbon cream. Well, homemade Heaven Hill bourbon cream. Homemade. <laughs> it's delicious it's very very good you need to give the recipe out yeah i, I will give the no, recipe no, no, out no 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 no. <laughs> no you need to sell the recipe <laughs> that's great i'll sell it, it to heaven good. hill <laughs> they may be interested yes. yes um but it this particular bourbon cream is 50 proof so it's a half a bottle of heaven hill and then the you know the cream ingredients in it um, so it's a little higher in proof. So it's a, in my opinion, it's probably a little too strong for a bourbon cream to be drank by itself. But some people might like it that way. Um, the coffee just really coffee's oh, right there. Mercy. That's right where it needs to be. So a little bit of bourbon, a little bit of cream, a little bit of coffee. Great Christmas drink. What do you think? Yeah, Excellent. And I would also put it in hot chocolate. I think we'll be great with hot chocolate in front of a fireplace, Christmas tree lights. I think it's delicious. I've yes. actually had bourbon cream and root beer before. Have you had that? I have had that. Have yes, you? I have had that. Yes, yeah. it's very good. Yes. <laughs> I like the hot drink, though. It's kind I of do, good. too. I like the hot drinks. So additionally, as, as you go down the hall here, you've got a bottling line, yes. an actual bottling line. Yes. So can it, you tell me a little bit about that room? Uh, in that room, we have a lot of old pictures and we have a people that were actually in a distillery that's actually putting the labels on on a bottling line. People love to look at that. In front of that, we have one of the old books to where people actually had to hand write all of the transactions that took place. It's like a four inch thick book and someone had to sit down all day long and hand write and put in every transaction that the distillery had. Also housed in that room, we have the history of where our cork comes from. A lot of people don't realize that uh, all of our, por- our cork came from Portugal or from the Mediterranean. Oh. And I have a picture of, uh, of a tree, but I also have an actual log from one of those trees that I let people actually lift to see how lightweight the cork is. The, uh, cor- the bark is harvested from the tree. It does not kill the tree. It will regenerate and it will grow back. It just takes a lot of trees. You have to have a huge inventory of trees for to give it time for the, uh, the bark to regenerate. And once they cut out the huge squares and rectangles out of the bark, then they cut it into the different size corks that they have. And now... Um, 
We do not use as much cork as what we have in the past because a lot of the different distilleries are using the metal caps and the twist off caps that we have. And, and so, the synthetic corks. And the synthetic, yes. And But there is still one alcoholic beverage that is required by law to use a cork. Would you have any idea what that is? I have no clue. What is that? Me neither. Champagne. You oh, got to have that pop. Yes. Oh, okay. They want you to have that that pop. So it is required that you have uh, have a cork in that. So I'll let people look at that. Uh, we have a lot of old, old pictures that we have blown up that are different people working in distilleries and actually kind of get a feel of what it was like to be a worker back, you know, 100 years ago. And something I think, you know, a lot of our listeners will be really interested in is just the sheer number of antique bottles that you have here. And they're not, they're mostly not empty. They're mostly full bottles. Yes, absolutely. But I've seen bottles in here from the late 1800s. Absolutely. Yes. Or earlier. Yes. Earlier. We have pre-prohibition and prohibition bottles. So some of the bottles I saw like 1880 or 1890, that's just when they started to put Bourbon in bottles, put labels on it, right? Yes. The very beginning. Yes. yes. And uh, as you walk down the halls here, the halls are lined with showcases of uh, what uh, bourbon aficionados like to call dusty bottles. They're everywhere. Mm, they are. So I, I do you have any clue as to the value of your collection? Oh, I, my goodness. You don't want to say it on air. No, I don't. <laughs> It's I pay called, a lot of insurance. I'll say that. Yes, we have a tremendous amount of it's. It will be priceless. If anything happened to this, there will be no way to recoup it. How many bottles do you think you have? About. We probably have, and I don't have them all out. I have different archive rooms upstairs as I am given different cases from different distilleries. I am bringing more and more down, but uh, we probably have out. I would say seven or eight hundred bottles here on display on display. And yes. You, and I think you said something to me earlier. You have multiples of most of them. And so or a many lot of them. them I do not not all of them, but I do have multiples of some of them. Yes. Wow. We get a phone call at least once a week. Someone has found an old bottle, you know, and granddad's mm-hmm. upstairs, et cetera, et cetera. So we always tell them to call Oscar Getz <laughs> in case they don't have one. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, and they they normally donate them. That's what I think is really nice. <laughs> We do have people that bring different old pictures in, different collections that they find, like you said, in their grandfather's closet. And most of the people donate them because we don't have the money to buy a lot. So people donate. Yeah, we've been here on a number of occasions. We've actually recorded a podcast here before, and, and I visited the museum a number of times. And I just get mesmerized by the bottles. I just I think of the history when I'm standing at one of those display cases, looking at that bottle. And you had one that even had a handwritten label on it. It's so old. Yes, it was a wedding gift that was never opened. And it still had the the here's your wedding gift from 1898. Yes, that was never just, opened. Just yes. amazing. I, I think about the history in that yes. bottle. Yes. You know? um, yeah, I'd like to drink it. But I think it's sitting on a shelf. <laughs> I have it behind a, an alarm system, so I have to have everything. Uh, we also have one of the bottles back there that's handwritten labels. Yeah. Can you imagine having the job of handwriting all the labels? I saw that was a Rippy bottle, yes. an old Rippy yes, bottle. Yes, an old yeah. Rippy number 112, yes. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. Well, we're going to keep sipping on our uh, bourbon cream laced coffee here, and uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Bill, I think you've brought something for us to taste. Henry McKenna. I'm looking forward to it. like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of The Bourbon Road. 
Logheads Home Center, nestled in the hills of Kentucky, is an industry leader in building handcrafted rustic furniture. Family owned and operated, they take pride in offering only the very best for their customers. The Logheads, and that's what they like to call themselves, are skilled woodcrafters who are passionate about creating rustic furniture for people who appreciate the beauty of natural wood. Owners Tommy and Gwen don't just sell the rustic lifestyle, they live it. And you can be sure that Logheads Furniture will always be handcrafted in Kentucky by artisans who embrace the simple way of life. Logheads Rustic Furniture is made from northern white cedar, a sustainable wood that's naturally rot and termite resistant. Its beauty and quality will add warmth to your earthy lifestyle for generations to come. Be sure to check out everything they have to offer at logheadshomecenter.com. And while you're at it, give Tommy and Gwen a shout on Facebook or Instagram at Logheads Home Center. Bill, what do you have for us to taste here in the second half? Today I have Henry McKenna, which has become a rising star in the bourbon industry. Uh, It is a 10-year-old single barrel bottled in bond. And for a long period of time, it was one of the the best uh, price point products in the market, for sure. Just tremendous. In 2018, it won as the best uh, bourbon in the world. And in 2019, it won as the best whiskey in the world, which has only happened twice in history. Uh, so even today, it's a great price point, uh, bottled and bond. So would you mind taking a minute for some of our listeners who might not know what bottled and bond actually means? Can you can you sort of go over that real quick for us? Well, bottled and bond came about in 1897. And everyone around here in Bardstown at that point, all the farmers were making whiskey a lot of people don't really think about that but the only if you had a really good year in corn the only way you could save your crop is to uh, produce whiskey with it Uh, but not everybody was making good whiskey so in 1897 doctors petitioned congress uh, congress actually voting back then anyway uh, doctors petitioned congress to pass the bond and bond act because doctors were prescribing uh alcohol uh for a number of different uh, problems i like to point out sometimes see if, if you think this ancient history in 1950 in the united states if you had heart trouble the only thing the doctor could prescribe for you would be uh whiskey two shots in the morning two shots in the afternoon if you're still having heart palpitations just put a nitroglycerin tablet under your tongue i mean that's all we could do so a lot of people were dying from bad alcohol so actually in 1897 the bald and bond act is the first consumer protection law ever passed in the united states we're pretty proud of that and uh if your grandparents were drinking uh, great grandparents were drinking alcohol if they were drinking anything that was not bottled in bond they're literally taking their life in their own hands so what it actually means is it's guaranteed to be at least four years old it's guaranteed to be exactly 100 proof it's uh made at one distillery during one season by one master distiller and that is bottled under government supervision and once it is produced it's kept in a bonded warehouse now what that amounts to back in the old days was uh, of course heaven hill wasn't around but uh, like the frankfurt distillery now called buffalo trace uh, once that was produced and put in their warehouse no one in that company could enter that warehouse just like today, they had bars on the first floor windows and they were locked. The only person who could go in that building was a treasury agent and it was his job 
check proof and make sure that it wasn't going to kill anybody. That was pretty important because now they know who produced it, where it was produced and was kept under lock and key. So nobody could mess with it before it was sold. And, uh, today it's, it's still bothered under government supervision and it's still kept under in bonded warehouses. So we're looking at uh, a whiskey that's won uh, world whiskey of the year, world whiskey of the year and best bourbon in the world in 2018. 10 now, year old, is, 10 year old bottle and bond bourbon made by heaven Hill. heaven Hill. It is 78% corn, 12% rye, a malted barley. I'm sorry, malted barley and 10% rye. That's your mash bill. Uh, normally kept on about the uh, fourth or fifth floor in our Rick houses. Let's take a tiny little sip of this guy. Yeah, let's take it. <laughs> That's a tremendous bourbon, actually. It's uh, really good. Uh, it's got, uh, we don't normally want to talk about what we're tasting because the power of suggestion is so strong, but we're on the radio, on a podcast. So uh, I'm really picking up uh, caramels, uh, very sweet, and at 100 proof, I'm not getting that uh, absolute that's uh, setting my mouth on fire or anything. Uh, with rye bourbons, you do taste them on the back of your palate. Uh, we find women, younger drinkers, anybody mixes tends to prefer weeded bourbons. And on that one, we do we do have some really nice weeded ones also. But we make a lot more rye. Now, if you're really wanting to get the full taste, we, we tell you it's your whiskey. You drink it the way you want to. But we always add a few drops of water. Now, the reason we do that is actually, uh, we can do this little experiment while sitting here. Uh, water molecules are six times smaller than alcohol. So if we add water or ice to our alcohol and let it sit, we normally say about two minutes. Those little, alcohol, those little water molecules disperse through the alcohol and push the molecules farther apart. And that changes the aroma. And if you change the aroma, you change the taste. So uh, let's just try with a little bit of water and let it sit here for a couple minutes. Just a few little drops. Now, uh, for the uh, ladies out there, uh, a lot of times back in the past, I had a lot of time trying to convince women that bourbon wasn't hot. Obviously, if you've had 100 proof, you think it's hot. Uh, but the, the heat is from the alcohol. It has nothing to do with the taste. So if you're a husband or a friend of say, oh, you're ruining it by adding water. No, you're not. Because everybody has different anatomy, different taste buds. So uh, our old master seller, Parker, would say, add just about enough water. You can feel it in your throat, but it's not uh, bothering at all. I mean, this is supposed to be a comfort food. Uh, setting my hair on fire, if I had any, uh, would not be my idea of a good time. Uh, so I add, I add water, and Parker would have too. Uh, let's smell it now and see if it hasn't changed. It's picked up a little sweetness, a little, a little sweetness. sweetness. Uh -huh. and, and also, you know, I noticed on the first taste, I was getting, uh, you know, a good, a good portion of baking spices to include like cinnamon and nutmeg. That would be pretty typical of some of our. <laughs> but once the water was added, I got this kind of, a, I don't know, you know, burst of pecans kind of on the back end a little bit. And it's came sweeter on the front and a little more pecan on the back end. And I think it's very good for females. It's a very sweet drink, I think. So well, it's a, a lot of uh, people that aren't in the, into uh, bourbons uh, say uh, that are in the scotches say bourbon is too sweet. Uh, but again, it, it's everybody's. We don't. Uh, I mean, this one is the best bourbon in the world. But I actually have trouble saying that to people because everybody makes good bourbon. Uh, I mean, why would you make a product nobody wants to drink? 
We just happen to make some of the best. <laughs> now, now, Henry McKenna, the 10-year bottle and bond Henry McKenna, and, and Henry McKenna also has a um, lower, lower proof, a lower proof mm-hmm. version. But the, the one we're drinking here is a 10-year bottle and bond, and it is a single barrel bourbon. Single barrel. So um, what you taste from one barrel to the next? Is absolutely different. Absolutely Apples different. and oranges. And uh, I sell barrels also. And it always shocks people, even people been in the liquor business for years, how two barrels can sit next to each other for 10 years, apples and oranges. Now, when you say you sell barrels, that means that you lead uh, barrel, tastings. Barrel, barrel tastings at the distillery for right. people who are... Yeah. So today I had a liquor store from Georgia uh, came down and we actually do this in, where the visitors can see the store is doing this. We bring out three barrels. Uh, we like let them uh, thieve it and knock the bung out because that makes for great photos hanging above the bar. But we this is a big program, huge. So no matter where you live in the United States, there's a restaurant, a bar, a liquor store that has their private barrel selection and nobody has that same taste as they do. Now, some most of our customers actually charge the same exact price, but you're getting a real unique product when that happens. Uh, it's not there's no gimmick to it. When you see the guys actually pick a barrel, today it took them a long time because all three barrels were great. Uh, but some are looking for a standard Elijah Craig, a standard uh, uh, Larceny. Some are looking for something a little different. I actually had a Henry McKenna years ago, sold up in Chicago at uh, Violet R guy's actually famous in whiskey magazines. And when we first started smelling it, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but it actually smelled like bananas foster. And uh, I mean, uh, your regular customer would not want that, but I thought he was going to hug the barrel because he really wanted something <laughs> different, you know, and there it is right there, bananas foster. So it's, it's a unique product. Now this, this bourbon can definitely stand up to some ice and some water. I think I, you know, I went a little heavy with my water addition so to it, so I'm, I'm probably down around 40 proof right oh, yeah. now. We we all did, but uh, you know that just that just brings out all those subtle hints of flavors that you know you couldn't pick up when the alcohol is kind of disguising it. We were some of the first people who actually started doing tastings with eyedroppers, and now a lot of people have picked up on that. So uh, our general uh, rule on on any of our products, we'll put three drops of water in it, and if you're not uh, used to tasting, uh, drinking bourbon all the time, you would add a few more drops is all. Uh, but it, it really brings that flavor out. Well, we'll keep sipping on it here. But there's one question I wanted to ask you. And, you know, it's it's kind of evident already with, with Bill being here. And that is, tell us about your relationship with the distilleries. Because, you know, you obviously have them all represented here. Um, what kind of a give and take relationship do you have with your distilleries? And All the distilleries have been wonderful. I am not from Bargetown, and so I did not know any of them whenever I first got this job. And all of them have embraced me. They have supported me, Heaven Hill being the forefront runners of those. Anytime I can call Heaven Hill, they are absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. They have given me uh, their cleaning staff to come out and help me take cases down and clean. They have given their supervisors have come out and helped me paint rooms. They have given me their maintenance people who have helped me put some of our memorial bricks up. Anytime I have a master distillers auction, they are the first ones to donate. Their master distillers come out and give talks. Everyone, they, it's just a great community. Good I've, neighbor. Good yes, neighbor, right? absolutely. A great community of bourbon people. And, you know, Barton's, I have his history. He has been a great supporter. 
all of the people, Jim Beam, all of the different distilleries that are around here have been a great supporter. I cannot, I cannot say enough good things about all of them. So how does the museum get its funding? I mean, where do you guys get your, I mean, it costs money to run this place. Absolutely. Where do you, where do you get your funding from? As I told you earlier, it's a huge four-story building. We have uh, a restaurant that rents from us in the bottom uh, at the Rick House, an excellent five-star restaurant. I also rent different rooms out on our second floor. We have everyone from massage therapists to counselors to heart association that is on the second floor. And the third floor houses our bourbon festival. So we have all of that. So I have a rent and I also have different, different distilleries have actually given me money. Uh, Jim Beam has given me money. Heaven Hill has been extremely supportive. I've also gotten just a lot of bourbon that I sell for my master distillers auction. Everyone has donated to that, which is my main fundraiser and, for and the we'll years. And we'll talk about the Ear Master Distillers mm-hmm. Auction and some of the other events you have a little bit later. But you don't get any revenue from the people visiting the museum. No, uh, we are nonprofit. And when Miss Emma came in to the distillery or to the building and put her husband's display and his museum in our building, she said that he never charged anyone to see his museum at his distillery. So she requested that we not charge anyone to see it. So we do not charge individual families that come in. It is free. We do ask for donations, but that is completely voluntary if they want to or not. If I have a tour bus that comes through, I actually charge them $5 a person. But for regular people, just families that come through, it's completely donations only. Got it. Well, that's good to know. So listeners out there who are thinking about visiting the Bardstown area, Uh, you know, and grab a little lunch somewhere and stop in here at the museum and, and check you out. And Absolutely. it doesn't cost them anything. No. And most people really enjoy our experience here. As I said, I try to give you a history and tell you funny stories and different things behind that a lot of people don't realize. So you have a different experience here sure. than what you do. We've learned a lot today. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned selling bottles, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not directly to the public, you sell bottles through events and fundraisers for the museum, correct? Our master distillers auction, and, and yes. We're gonna, and we're going to talk about that. I just want to make sure that we don't, you know, have a lot of people out there going, wait a minute, and I'm going to go down, I'm going to buy a bottle. No, we don't sell our exhibits, no. But you do have a gift store here. We do have a gift store, and we don't sell liquor out of it, but we do have a lot of bourbon products. And uh, we have socks that has been a huge, with all sorts of bourbon sayings on them, uh, that has been a big seller for us. We have different barbecue sauces and different Worcestershire sauces. We have different bourbon candies. We have uh, different candles. We have all sort. We got hot chocolate with bourbon. We're getting coffee with bourbon. So we have a lot of different uh, different. Everything we have is related to bourbon. We don't have anything that's just out there. Sure. It all has to have a bourbon theme. So you have an event coming up here in just a few days on the 14th. Yes. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. We are on the Bargetown Home Christmas Tour, which is uh, organized by our music club here. All of the money, you buy a ticket and you will see usually six different buildings. Uh, this year we have the museum is on it for our second year. There's two churches and there's four homes. 
different people go and see all the different decorations that people have in their homes. And the money that is raised from those ticket sales gives scholarships for music scholarships for students here in, in Bargetown and Nelson County. And we are lucky enough to host uh, the refreshments that we have. So we have all homemade refreshments and it gives us an opportunity to showcase our museum. I have the different distilleries that will come out and they decorate their trees and the theme from their museum or from their distillery. And different people love to come in and see all the different trees and the different venues that have been here and, and just showcase Christmas and showcase distilleries and have homemade cookies and homemade cakes. So in addition to that event, which is coming in just a few days, um, you also have some events throughout the year. Yes. What's your big event? What's the big event that you have every year that brings in a lot of your revenue, your funding? Bourbon Festival is huge here, yeah. and it is located on our lawn. Uh, a lot of it, it, there's other areas now. It's gotten so big that we have different buildings and different distilleries have different events, but the main hub of it is here on Spalding Hall Lawn. And so we have a lot of people that get to come through and give us donations as they see uh, the exhibits that are here. We also have National Bourbon Day here. So we have a lot of people, a lot of our politicians will come and and uh, we have gotten a decree from the governor that we are nationally recognized as National Bourbon Day. It's June 14th. So we have that every year. We also have our Arts and Crafts Festival here that's on the lawn and in our streets here. Uh, and it's the second week in October. Bourbon Festival is the third week in September always. Uh, as I said, this is our second year for being on the Bargetown Home Christmas Tour. We have different events that are in our chapel. Uh, we have weddings and we have showers. We have wedding showers and baby showers and people rent our chapel for that. Different distilleries have come in. Heaven Hill has been here. Their master distiller, Connor, has been out here and given a tasting and has talked about it's been a private event. So we just have a lot of different uh, activities that go. Anyone that wants to rent my chapel, they're more than welcome to. I've had the newspaper host their um their annual dinner here for their staff. We have had different class reunions. We've had family reunions. We've had UK board meetings here. So we've just had a lot of different events. It's a great place for an event. It is. It's beautiful. When you're, beautiful but, so when you're not, when you're not, you know, attending the event mm-hmm. in the chapel, you can wander around the, 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 yes. the halls here. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. So, so what about your master distillers auction? That's kind of a really big deal, right? It is. I am very lucky, as I said, that uh, the different distilleries have embraced me and been very kind to me. All of them will donate some of the really old bourbon that they have. I try to ask for bourbon that is that you can't just go into a liquor store and buy. I try to get old, old bourbon. And usually almost every one of them have their master distiller sign it. And so then we auction it off. And that is our main money raiser for the year. Okay, so so there's going to be some old ones there. There's also going to be some hard to get items and signed bottles and 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 everything like that. Yes. And and when is that event each year? It is the third week in September is the Bourbon Festival, and our auction is always at two o'clock on Saturday afternoon, the last day of uh, the Bourbon Festival. So if you're here for the Bourbon Festival, you're, stop in for that yes. one as well and yes. get yourself a 
a prime bottle. And, and sometimes when you have doubles in your collection or doubles, triples, mm-hmm. whatever, you can sell some of those mm-hmm. off at the auction as well. Yes, I do sell some of the old pre-prohibition. And we also, I was lucky enough to, uh, we have found a lot of the original prescriptions that when it was medicinal whiskey that the doctors actually wrote prescriptions for. So we usually sell a couple of those each year. So we found a whole box of those. Wow, that's mm-hmm. neat. And old labels that are unapplied? Yes, yes. You have we, some of those too? Yes, we yeah, do. I know there's a lot of people that collect those old unapplied labels. There's collectors of old bottles as well and barrel heads. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's so mm-hmm. so much, yeah. So what would somebody do? How would somebody donate to the museum? Let's say they, they just, you know, they got an extra five bucks and they want to send you some money. What do they do? Well, I, I give out cards to everyone. Plus, we're always, we have our website and anybody that wants to can contact me through Facebook, can contact me through our website, can send me an email, uh, and they are more than welcome. We take donations from anyone all the time. And I've been lucky enough, a lot of people have come through here, and as I said, they only we only ask for donations. And they'll give a donation, and then I've gotten cards from people multiple different times. People have sent me a handwritten card, which is very unusual these days, and they'll give me a $100 donation and say, we just really enjoyed that. We talked about that on the way home and we thought, wow, we want to support the museum. So they have sent us a handwritten card and, and given us $100. So we've been extremely excited about that. So you guys have a presence on the social media as well? Yes, we're on Facebook. We have uh, our webpage. We have our um Internet. We're uh, we also are on. I partnered with KDA. They rent a room from me upstairs, the Kentucky Distillers Association, and they have put us on the Bourbon Trail website. We're not on the Bourbon Trail, but we are on the website. So we're getting a lot of people see us on that website and come in. So we're very very fortunate to uh, start really having a lot of people from all over the world are coming in here. So it's. Uh, OscarGetsWhiskeyMuseum.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can just search Oscar Getz uh-huh. Whiskey Muse- uh, Museum of Whiskey History. Let me make sure I get that right. Oscar, Oscar Getz Museum of Whiskey, Whiskey History. History. Yes. So if you search for that on the internet, all kinds of stuff comes up. I mean, And it, Spalding Hall. Yeah. The, the whole building was named Spalding Hall when it was very first built as a college and a seminary for Catholic priests. It's called Spalding Hall. And we're also, we have several multiple names. We're also called the uh, the Bargetown Historic Development Corporation. Got it. So there's a couple of different names. So you're on Fifth Street. I mean, you're just yes. a couple of blocks from the from the center of town here. Yes. And uh, an easy in and out if you're here for the distilleries Absolutely. or if you're down here to, to shop for uh, some antiques down on Main Street or whatever it is. So... Uh, and the restaurant downstairs has a bar. Yes, has they, a bar. They do. Yes. Wow. Such a great deal you've got going on here. Yes. And, and we're we're really um, appreciative of you. Mm. You've allowed us to use your facility on a number of occasions to uh, to interview our guests. And uh, we'd like to keep doing that. I would love for you to. Yes. Absolutely. Well, it was so nice to have you on, Bill. Great to have you on Thank as you. well. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you for what you do uh, for the museum here. Well, uh, we really, I mean, again, this is the heart, the heart of the history right here. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure to sit down with both of you and uh, and drink a little bit of uh, good bourbon good and some bourbon. and some uh, eggnog and, and Christmassy drinks. It's right? been delicious. Yeah. Yes, I love it. Very good. So uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you very much, and Merry Christmas. Thank Merry you. Christmas. do appreciate all of our listeners and we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here on the bourbon road we hope you enjoyed today's show and if so 
We would appreciate if you'd subscribe and rate us a five-star with a review on iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bourbon Road. That way you'll be kept in the loop on all the Bourbon Road happenings. You can also visit our website at thebourbonroad.com to read our blog, listen to the show, or reach out to us directly. We always welcome comments or suggestions. And if you have an idea for a particular guest or topic, be sure to let us know. And again, thanks for hanging out with us.